Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. You know, as you know, because of the snow, that rhymed, I didn't mean it to, but because of the snow, uh, we're unable to gather physically on campus this morning. Two weeks in a row. That rhymed as well. Hopefully, by next week, uh, we'll be able to come back uh, together. But again, how amazing that we can still uh, join together uh, and worship and open God's Word. And so if you've got a copy of God's Word this morning, I want to invite you to the book of Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 39. I shared last week, you know, during this season of, of I know, my family's life and, and me personally, you know, there's been some some difficult times. You know, there's been some struggles. There's been some questions. And in the midst of that, I shared, you know, the Lord's allowed me to go back. You know, the reminding ministry of the Holy Spirit. I know many of you experienced that where the Lord will just lead you to a passage of Scripture. Or the Lord will just lead you back to, you know, a season of your life where you just see how He worked in such a faithful manner. Well, it's been that way for me. And as I shared last week, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is a passage that I know the Lord has used in my life. Uh, but the story of Joseph, the story of Joseph is something I always go back to. You know, you see such a beautiful picture of the sovereignty of God. You see such a beautiful picture of his providence. You see such a beautiful picture uh, of a God who what the enemy intends for evil, God uses for good. As you know, the story of Joseph, it, it begins in Genesis 37 and really continues uh, all the way through the rest of the book to Genesis 50. The Bible tells us that he's 17 years old, uh, that he is the youngest of uh, 12 sons, the sons of Jacob, the sons of Israel. This is where the 12 tribes of Israel uh, come from. They tell us that the Bible tells us that he was the favorite. Um, and because of that, Jacob, Joseph, uh, or Jacob Israel had given him the coat of many colors. Well, obviously, this didn't sit well with his brothers, already jealous, already resentful of the position that he held within the family. Uh, and now they're seeing, you know, the, the blessings of the father being poured out to uh, the son. Well, the Bible tells us that God comes to Joseph in two separate dreams and promises him that one day, you know, the resources of this world, that one day all would be, you know, uh, above or below him, that, the, that even the rulers of this world would one day bow down to him. Well, Joseph did probably what wasn't the smartest thing in the world, and he goes to his brothers and, and even his father, and he begins to share, you know, what God had uh, revealed to him in these dreams. Already resentful, already jealous, this made matters worse. We know the story continues that as Joseph is sent out to his brothers, the Bible says they see him afar off, and they begin to conspire to kill him. Reuben, the oldest brother, speaks up, and the one who would probably be most offended uh, by the position that Joseph held says, no, let's not kill him, but let's sell him. You know the story, right? They put him in the pit, a caravan comes by, and they sell him, and that's how Joseph ends up in Egypt. There's a repeated phrase all throughout the story of Joseph. There's a repeated phrase all throughout, the Lord was with him. Whether Joseph was in that pit or whether Joseph was thrown in prison, the Lord was with him. The story continues that he's placed in the house of Potiphar and, 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 and others can see the hand of God upon this young man uh, because of his faithfulness and because of the anointing of, of God upon him. Uh, he's he, he's uh, given more responsibilities within the home and the Bible says that all fall under his hand. Well, the Bible says that Potiphar's wife um, had began to try to seduce Joseph. 
Uh, the Bible describes Joseph as a handsome man. And then you know that one particular moment where she tries to seduce him and Joseph does what we should always do in the face of temptation. Joseph does what we should always do, especially in the face of sexual temptation. He flees. He runs. He doesn't flirt with it. He doesn't mess with it. He runs as fast as he can. The story goes on that Potiphar's wife, you know, grabs a garment of Joseph and begins to, to yell and scream to the other servants in the house that Joseph had tried to rape her. And so obviously when Potiphar comes home, you know, he is angry. And because of that, he throws him in jail. Now you think about that. Here's this young man who is given these amazing promises by God, but yet it's not going very well for him. You know, he's given these promises by God, but yet when he's looking at his life and, he's, and his circumstances, he's thinking, I'm sure, Lord, how does this match up? And I look at this story, and I believe there's so many. You know, I believe there's so many that can find themselves in that position where they know the promises of God. They see the promises of God. They're holding you know, to the promises of God. But yet when they look at their lives and their circumstances and their storm, it's hard to match up and see what God is doing. And so I pray through the story of Joseph that you're encouraged, that you see a God that keeps his promises, that you see a God that will never forsake us, that you see a God that is always in control. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to pick up in Genesis chapter 39. This is where he's already thrown into jail by Potiphar um, for the accusation from Potiphar's wife. But notice what it says beginning in verse 20. And again, you'll see the repeated phrase all throughout. Look at what it says. Genesis 39, verse 20. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison. Here it is, verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Join with me as we go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your promises. Lord, we thank you, first of all, for the promise of salvation that is found in Christ alone. And I pray for anyone that is watching this video that they personally can, can see that time where they were changed by the power of God's Holy Spirit, that they can see that time where they turn from their sins and by faith alone profess Jesus as Savior. Lord, I pray for the work that only you can do in the hearts and lives of those who are watching. To believers, Lord, today, I pray that you would encourage them. Lord, I know that there will be many watching this video who are hurting, many who are watching this video who are struggling, many who are watching this video that can relate to the story of Joseph in the sense that they know your promises, they see your promises, they believe your promises, but the enemy is lying and casting doubt as they look upon their own circumstances. And so, Lord, today, by the power of your Holy Spirit, may you lead us through your word. May you grow us. May you change us. We ask it in the power of your spirit. And we pray in the name of Jesus and all of God's people said, amen. You know, the story of Joseph, again, I can remember as a kid, you know, reading the story of Joseph and, and really thinking, man, here's this guy, you know, being punished, not for doing what was wrong, 
but for doing what was right. You know, obviously, I'm sure it showed a little bit of pride as a 17-year-old teenager to go to his brothers and to share, you know, what God had given him. But this was the promise of God given to Joseph. We find that in Genesis 37. And if you look at Genesis 37, let's just look at a couple of verses here, beginning in verse 5. The Bible says this, Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Verse 9, Then he, still, then he dreamed still another dream. And he told it to his brothers and said, look, I've dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. And so we know that what we find here is the word of God, right? Through these dreams, uh, God is given Joseph his word. These are promises that God has given to Joseph. And Joseph did not have the written copy like we have, right? All he had was the word of God. All he had was what God promised him through these dreams. The first dream, you know, was about sheaves. The second dream about stars. The first dream uh, symbolized that, you know, the world's resources, you know, that he would elevate him even above the world's resources. The second dream, that he would elevate him even above the rulers of the earth. However, I wonder when Joseph found himself in a pit, if he was thinking to himself, really, God, like, where are your promises now? Like, I wonder when he found himself in prison, not for doing the wrong thing, but for doing the right thing. I wonder in that moment, right, if he was thinking like, you know, God's, where's your promise now? Yeah, I don't know about you. You know, the Bible describes the enemy as a roaring lion. And I know in my own life, in the times of pain and in the times of struggle, right, when I'm most vulnerable. Like, like those are the moments that I have to be really in, intentional and engaged in my walk with the Lord because so many times it's in those, those vulnerable moments that the enemy is just casting lies and casting doubt, right? If he's a roaring lion, you think about the way a lion hunts and he waits for, you know, an injured, you know, an, an, an injured calf. He, he waits for the one that kind of gets separated, you know, from the rest of the herd and he attacks. I don't know about you, I can relate to that. You know, that sometimes you do feel separated. Sometimes you feel isolated. And in those moments, it's just heavy, the spiritual warfare. But the question is this, can we still hold on to God's promises? Can we still hold on to God's promises when nothing makes sense? Can we still hold on to God's promises when it's painful and it hurts? Can we still hold on to God's promises when all we can see are the storms and the waves crashing? You know, one of the things that you find in Joseph is I never see him complaining. You know, I never see Joseph, you know, being focused upon the problems. Yeah, I never see Joseph consumed with the problems. And so rather than being consumed with the problems, I believe this was a young man whose mind was consumed with the promises. And yet I know I, I, I fall into that trap, right? Rather than being consumed with uh, the, the promises of God, how easy it is for our minds to be consumed with problems. 
This obviously is our is our daily walk with the Lord. This is why time in God's word every single day is critical. This is why I believe, you know, going to that altar and just laying yourself down and saying, Lord, not I, but you. Lord, this is bigger than me. Lord, this is stronger than me. Lord, I can't fight this alone. You've heard me say this before, right? That you've heard the saying, God never gives us more than we can handle. Well, there's a Greek word for that. It's called baloney. That is not true. As a matter of fact, I believe the Bible teaches us the opposite. I believe the Bible teaches us in the story of Joseph that this was way more than he, than he could handle. And so the, 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 what happens is God never gives us more than he can handle, right? And so here's Joseph, not consumed with his problems, but consumed with the promises of God. Proverbs 3 verse 25 says this, Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked one when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence. Hear that. For the Lord will be your confidence, and he will keep your foot from being caught. Man, there's freedom in that. Freedom to know that, like, you know, what I'm up against, I'm no match to that. Like, there's freedom to know that, no, this is not my battle, that God has not called me to conquer this. He's called me to surrender to him so that he can conquer this. And so my confidence is not in the fact that he can get through this. My confidence is in the fact that my God is bigger than this, and he is a God that keeps his promises. Not only is he a God that keeps his promises, he's a God that's always in control. And I think about how out of control Joseph's life felt here in Genesis 39. He's accused of something he didn't do. Again, um, you know, rebuked, uh, not for doing the wrong thing, but for doing the right thing. And yet he finds himself in prison. And over and over again, what we find is, right, people rejecting Joseph, people continuing to, um, you know, turn away from Joseph. And again, as a type of Christ, right, we know the story, the father, the son, Jesus, rejected by his own, right? You see so many characteristics in the life of Joseph to what we see in our Savior, Jesus Christ. However, I wonder in these moments how much Joseph really questioned you know, we're not told that, but I wonder what the battle was like in Joseph's mind. You know, many theologians believe that he spent at least 12 years in that prison. Many believe 13 years. That's kind of the consensus. 13 years in this prison. I don't know about you. I've had storms, but I've never had a storm that's lasted 13 years. Maybe some of you have. But I wonder sometimes, like, what would have happened had Joseph uh, had his confidence, right? If our confidence is to be in the Lord, like, what would have happened if he would have gave up at the 12th year, right? What would have happened if, if, if his confidence was removed in the Lord in the 12th year, just, just right in the moment where God was getting ready to do something amazing? The Bible tells us, right, that Joseph remained faithful and the Lord was with him. But yet, you know, it had to be a struggle. Like it had to be a mental battle, right? To, to try to be doing what is right and yet getting knocked down, right? There's some of you who have experienced that, right? You, you try to live for the Lord, you, and yet every time you take a step forward, you feel like you get knocked, you know, three steps back, right? You try to live right and, and eat right, and yet you go to the doctor, and the, the doctor brings a report, right? That rocks your world, right? You, you, you love your wife or you love your husband and you're committed to your family and you're trying to grow in that. And yet you come home one day and they look at you and say, I don't love you anymore. Trying to do the right thing and yet getting knocked down. You give of your tithes and your offerings and you're faithful in that and yet you lose your job. Like, can we in those moments trust 
that God is still in control? Can we in those moments trust that God is still working in the midst of the details? I think about, again, you look at the life of Joseph, right? Before he could get to the palace, and we know that that's where the story is leading, he had to go to the pit. That before he could get to the palace, he had to spend time in the prison. That before he could get to the palace, he had to learn to serve God in those other places. And obviously, none of us, you know, welcome hard things in our lives. But I think many of us would say that it's in those tough times sometimes that God does the greatest work, a God that keeps his promises, a God that is always in control, but a God that will never forsake us. I love that phrase all throughout the story of Joseph. Verse 3, we are told that the Lord was with him. Verse 21, we're told that the Lord was with him. Verse 23, we are told that the Lord was with him. When he was forsaken by his brothers, the Lord was with him. When he was thrown in a pit, the Lord was with him. When he was sold into slavery, the Lord was with him. When he was falsely accused and thrown into prison for 13 years, the Bible says there was never a time that the Lord forsook him, that the Lord was was with him. However, I know this is a battle, man. I know this is a battle that so many times in those moments of, of, of struggle, in those moments of chaos, the enemy will, will subtly try to try to convince us that we're alone. Let me tell you something, man. If you know Christ is your Lord and Savior, a, a child of God is never alone. You may be lonely, but there's never a time that you're alone. Because the Bible says that my God is faithful and powerful to save me, but my God is faithful and powerful to keep me, that nothing can snatch me from the hand of God. So regardless of what I see in my life, regardless of what I see in front of me, I can hold to the fact that I serve a God who keeps his promises. I can hold to the fact that I serve a God who is in control. I can hold to the fact that I serve a God who will never forsake me. You know, so many times you see in scripture, right? So many times where God calls people to things that make no sense at all. We talked about this last week, Noah, you know, navigating the ark through the flood. And yet what do we find? That God was with him. Those three Hebrew boys, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? That the Lord was with him in the fiery furnace. The Lord was with him. Daniel in the lion's den, that God shut the mouths of those lions. The Lord was with him. The disciples in Matthew 14, crossing the Sea of Galilee, as we're going to see uh, next week, God willing, the Lord was with them. Here's the promise to every born-again child of God. Hear this, if you would. Isaiah 43, 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. When you walk through the fire, nor shall the flame scorch you. Genesis 41 tells us that Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh. 13 years locked in a prison. I wonder how many times the enemy tried to subtly say, hey, where, where's your God in this? Where's the goodness of God in this? 
There's the faithfulness of God in this. And so many of us have heard those same words. And yet we can hold by the power of who he is, of a God that is always in control, of a God that keeps his promises and a God that will never, ever forsake us. I pray you're encouraged this morning. I would encourage you, if you've never fully read the story of Joseph, that you would go and begin in Genesis 37 and just read this remarkable story of God's sovereignty, that wherever you are today, understand something. God is sitting upon his throne, that nothing is random, nothing is coincidence, that nothing is outside the work of God. Nothing is outside the work of God in our lives. So my prayer this morning is that wherever you may be, first and foremost, that you hear of what God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ, as we see a type here in the life of Joseph, that the one was to come, that Jesus came and did what none of us could do. He lived a life of perfection, born of a virgin, not of the seed of corruption and sin, but born of the seed of the Holy Spirit. And he lived his life perfectly and he met every holy standard of God. And then he died willingly. He stretched out his arms for you and for me. And he took upon himself your sins and my sins. The Bible says he bore our iniquities and by his stripes, we are healed. And so I pray this morning more than anything else, our number one value here at River Oak is that we are about the gospel. And the gospel means good news. What is the good news? Well, you can't get to the good news until you understand the bad news. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We understand that, right? That, we don't have to really uh, debate that one. At least I don't have to. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then we find this in Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. Not just physical death, spiritual death. Eternally separated from the God of this universe. But then you find the word but, not B-U-T-T, but B-U-T, for the wages of sin is death. But God, but the gift of God, but the gift of God, but the gift of God is his son, Jesus Christ, in which we find forgiveness. For by grace you are saved through faith. And I pray where you're sitting today that you can say, I've placed my faith in Christ. And if you have, these promises hold. These promises hold. We serve the same God. We serve the God of Jacob. We serve the God of Joseph. God who keeps his promises. A God who is always in control. And a God who will never forsake us. May you have a wonderful day. We look forward to joining with you together next week on campus, God willing. But thank you um, for being a part of what God is doing in the life of River Oak Juice. God bless you. May you have a wonderful day.